First Kings chapter 1. If reading the word messes it up, it was nothing but hype to begin with. Verse 1, 1 Kings 1. Now King David was old and stricken in years. They covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore his servants said unto him, Let there be salt for my lord the king, a young virgin. And let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him. Let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they salt. For a fair damsel throughout all the coast of Israel and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. The book opens with the words that King David was old and stricken in years. The message that I am to preach to you now, let the king die. Let the king die. Would you raise your hands? Would you lift up your voice as the Holy Ghost endeavors to take us higher? that's in this building, God. Father, you are good. Kind and merciful are your ways, and we thank you. Before you're seated, look at somebody beside you and ask them, if your sin produced a Calvary, don't look at me, look at somebody beside you. If your sins produced a Calvary, what will your praise produce?
Be seated. Be seated. After David had assembled all the princes of Israel and the captains of the companies that minister to the king by course, after bringing in the captains over thousands, the captains over hundreds, after gathering the stewards over all the substance, and bringing in his sons and the officers and the mighty men and all the valiant men, he said to this elite group of people, he began to explain his desire to them that unwavering ambition he had to build God a house. He said to each of them that it was his prayer, it was his goal in life to build God a house. He had talked to God about it. He had had dreams about it. And he had to admit to them that God has answered his prayer, not perhaps the way he thought or even wanted. For God had told David that you are not able to build me a house because if you look at your hands, they're bloody. And so David, because you're a man of war and not peace, because you're always looking for a fight even if it's not yours. You are not able to build me a house. But David was able to end it on a good note that God had said to him, even though you can't build the house, he that comes from you, from your loins, that becomes king after you, he will build me a house. And as most of us know, it was his son Solomon whom the Bible says after David died, set on the throne of his father and his kingdom was greatly established. Solomon was the man that was told by God, ask what you will and whatever it is, I will give it to your hands. It was only when Solomon became king that a tabernacle was built. It was inside that tabernacle that the glory of God, the Shekinah, was so thick that the priest could not stand to minister because God was so thick in the building. It was in that very tabernacle that a brand new mama named Mary would carry an eight-day-old baby boy named Jesus. And in that tabernacle would 
place him on the table and there they would circumcise Jesus. If you know anything about circumcision, you are aware that blood is involved. So before saving blood ever spilt on a cross at 33 years old, it was dropping on a palace floor at eight days old. And anybody that got in the path sprinkled with blood, it didn't matter if it was a 12-year-long issue, if it was an 18-year-old infirmity, if it was a 38-year-old sickness, it didn't matter if it was a blind Bartimaeus, if it was a Jairus' daughter, if it was a leper, all they had to do was get in touch with the blood and and their life was totally forever changed. I know it's a new day. I know we are in the age of technology. But the answer to what can wash away my sin is still nothing but the blood. So as, as long as David is alive, Solomon does not become king. As long as David is alive, Solomon's kingdom is not established greatly. As long as David is alive, no tabernacle is built. No glory falls and no blood is shed. So you have to agree with me. You, you have to admit with me that since David is old and stricken in years and God has already said to him, you can't build the house, but your son will build the house. Since David is so old, he must stay in bed so he can't govern a kingdom. He can't lead a people. He can't be in charge of order. You have to admit and agree with me that the best thing for Israel's future at this point in first kings is to just let the king die but they don't they don't let him die they keep him alive he's so old he stays cold all the time so they bring in covers and sheets to keep him warm and he's so old it doesn't help they look through all the coast trying to find somebody who can keep the king warm only to keep king alive and they found a woman named Abishag she doesn't know the king she's not intimate with the king she's not in love with the king her only job her only position the only reason she's there is to keep the king alive now I know why there is I know why there is this spirit of resistance because it always is when I preach this because we are thinking 
Pentecostally. We are thinking apostolic. So how can you let the king die? Because when I tell you that you're not thinking biblical, you're thinking traditional. We can't let the king die. The king is Jesus. He's the king of kings. But if you'll stop being Pentecostal for a moment and get your nose back in the book, kings was not God's idea. Kings was not in God's plan. Kings was not what God instituted. Kings is what man wanted. So the power that a king has was not given by God. It was given by man. Well, I'm losing some of you now. You, 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 you're not in the book with me yet. Remember, it was the children of Israel who would speak to Samuel. And they told Samuel, go find us a man and make us a king. Anytime kings was anointed in the Bible, they were anointed by the hands of man. It's what man instituted. It's what man gave power to. It's the concept of man, not of God. That's why God would come to Samuel time after time and tell Samuel, you go preach to my people. They don't need a king. They don't know what they're asking for. They don't understand if they get a man with unpure motives and unpure agendas, if they get man who can only live in the limitations of flesh he'll take their wives he'll take their children he'll take their goods they don't know what they're asking for they don't know what they're setting themselves up for Samuel you tell my people I want to be their God I want to be their God I want to be their help I want to be the one that they come to in the time of need not man Because God understood what man's going to do. God understood the frailty of man. God understood the selfishness that man is born with. Come on, God understood. If we start this kingdom business now, Samuel, it won't end with just my people. It won't end with just, uh, he said, Samuel, the only reason they want a king is because they got their eyes on all the other nations. They're looking at everybody else and they're saying they got a king. Why can't we have a king? They do it that way. Why can't we do it that way? Samuel, remind my people that they ought to come out from among the world and be separate. 
We've done that scripture on injustice by labeling it just clothes and what you wear. Oh no, it is coming from among the world. All their concepts, all their agendas, all their ways and be separate. Samuel, the only reason my people want a king is they got their eyes off of me. They got their eyes off of my plan. They know you tell my people stop looking at everybody else and get their nose in their own business. I just, I just got to believe if God knows the end from the beginning like the book says he does then he understood way back in that time that Samuel this won't end with just Israel but the day is going to come if we start establishing kingdoms and we start establishing kings oh God and we start making this about position and we start making this about what I can get out of it the day is going to come that the whole concept of my church is going to be messed up because, because if we start a kingdom business now come on it's going to flood into the church that I die for and bleed for they will start instituting kingdoms and kings they will only call it by a different name. They won't call it kingdoms. They'll call it organizations. And they won't call it kings. They'll call it superintendents. Now I'm in your face. You hear me? It is not the will of God. You will never convince me that if you believe in repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and living a godly, separate, holy life, you'll never convince me that we can't fellowship if we don't hold the right license and we can't get together if we're not a part of the same organization. Have you? You lost your mind. I know I'm online, but it don't bother me. The United Pentecostal Church is not the kingdom of God. The assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ is not the kingdom of God. The Pentecostal Assembly of the World is not the kingdom of God. The Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the church he died for, he bled for, he suffered for, and he purchased with with his blood. Come on, God knew. God knew, Samuel, if you start this business now, the time will come that my ministers will be more politicians than they will be preachers. And my people and my preachers and my ministers will care more about their position than building the kingdom of God. Come on, because power in unpure hands is a dangerous weapon. 
but, but, but the people, the people could care less what the preacher said. They disagreed with what Samuel said, like perhaps some of you do, whatever. They, they thought, Samuel, you're out of your mind. We, we need a king and we need kingdom. So eventually, God's arm was twisted and he said, I've tried to tell them. I've tried to warn them. I've, 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 I've tried to reveal to them the real reality. If they don't want to listen, it's on them. Samuel, you did your job. I did my job. If that's what they want, go find somebody. And the first king that was chosen was chosen through a spirit of prejudice because he was tall enough and he was pretty enough. It's not what God wanted. It's what the people said we need. So biblically, maybe not traditional Pentecostally, but biblically, kings was not God's idea. And I approach this pulpit tonight to tell somebody in this house that the only reason kings are instituted is to give power to dictate what they want you to do. So the reason some of you can't cipher if the king of kings is talking to you, it's because you've got too many other kings talking to you. And it's not kingdoms God set up. It's something you set up. It's not kings that God anointed. It's something that you put power into. Come on, some of you want to break through so bad. In the singing tonight, in the worship, there was a part of you that wanted to turn loose and break forth and give God praise. But the voice of a king called failure was whispering to you. Come on, the voice of a king called your past was talking to you. The voice of a king called sin was talking to you. The voice of a king called fear was talking to you. You hear this evangelist. It's not what God anointed. It's what you gave power to. God did not put the voice in that king. You allowed that king to speak. And it's time tonight that you let the king die. Come on, it's, it's the voice of worry that you gave power to. God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's not the voice of God. It's the voice of a king you instituted. It's the voice of a king that you enabled to speak to your life. Come 
Come on. It's the voice that says if you're battling depression and you're battling anxiety, then you need to take depression pills and you need to take anxiety medicine because that's what the king of medicine says. And that's what the king, come on, a physician says. But the king of kings has a different approach to it. He said, he said, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. And the only reason you don't do what that king says is because you're too busy listening to the kings that you've established in your life. The enemy's on my back. The devil's out to get me. All hell's against me. I can't break loose. I can't break free. I can't break forth. Come on. It's the king of defeat talking to you. But the king of kings says, "Ah, come on. By thee, I can run through a troop. That means as long as I'm running, the enemy cannot stop me. The enemy cannot defeat me. Don't tell me you're not emotional. You're listening to the wrong king. Don't tell me it's not you. You got your ears listening to the wrong voice. And as long as that king stays alive, the tabernacle will never be built and glory will never fall and blood will never flow. So instead of allowing a dying king to die, they bring in an Abishag who's identified as a virgin. Someone that's never been intimate. Someone that's never been in love. Someone that's never been close to somebody. Someone that does not know how to bring forth. Name Abishag means ignorance of the father. You are ignorant thinking your king is going to die by hanging out with spiritual virgins. 
Another definition is father of error. You make a terrible error by thinking your king is going to die when all you do is hang out with someone who's never brought forth. The only thing that Leah ever wanted was the love and the attention and the affection of Jacob. She never got it. So she convinced herself, I'll bring forth some children and make him a daddy. So she gave birth to Reuben and she said, now Jacob will love me. But Jacob's over there making out with Rachel. So Leah said, I'll birth another other son and out came Simeon and she said now will he love me but he's over there smooching on Rachel she said I'll give him another boy and out came Levi and she said now my husband will be joined unto me and Jacob's over there holding hands with Rachel so Leah said now will I praise the Lord and she gave birth to a Judah. Come on, Judah means praise. She brought forth praise. Abishai can't do that. Come on, what are you saying, Atkins? I'm saying some of you need to stop hanging out with your deadhead friends. You need to stop hanging out with non-worshippers and stop talking to non-praisers. Get around somebody who's had some children. Get around someone who's birthed some praise. Get around someone who can bring forth a breakthrough. Twenty chapters later, Jacob's on his deathbed. He's pronouncing blessing and cursings over his twelve sons. And his last instruction before dying is, when I die, don't bury me next to Rachel. You take me and put me beside the tomb of Leah. Rachel may have had him for a lifetime, but Leah had him for eternity. But Leah never got what she wanted until praise came out of her. You want your healing? Stop hanging out with Abishag. You want your Holy Ghost? Stop talking to Abishag. You want your revival? Shut the mouth of Abishag. When, when we've lived with David for so long, when we've allowed his voice to dictate our life and dictate our decisions, we don't want him to die. We keep him alive, so we stop praying. 
and we stop coming to church. And when we do come to church, we stop praising the Lord. Because we're comfortable with David. We're used to the voice of David. After all, he's been in our kingdom for so many years now. We don't know how to run, run a kingdom without David. But the problem is, Jesus is trying to speak life into us. But we can't hear Jesus because we won't let the other king die. We're too busy entertaining that king. So we tell the preacher things like, you don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my struggles and my habits and my fears and my hurt and my wounds and my disappointments. That's not you talking. It's a king you've allowed to dictate. It's a king that you've allowed to keep you back. Because God will never give you a king that holds you back. Come on, Samuel warned you. If you take that king, he'll take your joy. He'll take your family. He'll take your husbands. He'll take your wife. I hope to God somebody has brought their spiritual shovels and has made up in their mind, I'm tired of my life being dictated by a king that God didn't bring. I'm tired of my life being forced into a future that God never established. Before Jehoram, before the king of Edom, before Jehoshaphat went to fight on behalf of King Jehoram, Jehoshaphat said, let's find the prophet and find out what he says about the battle. And the preacher said, you will not see wind. You will not see rain, but make the valley full of ditches. Get shovels in your hand and dig a ditch. And even though there will be no wind and no rain, if you dig a ditch, that valley will be filled with water. And the way the sun was shining on that water made the enemy look at it and it looked like red blood. And they said to each other, they've, they've attacked each other. They've, they've 
killed each other. So, so it was just a handful of the enemy that came upon what they thought was a dead scene. But when they got there, they found out it wasn't blood. It was water to give them life to win the victory on that day. Had they waited for the wind and the rain, come on, the water would have never came. The only way the water flowed and the victory came is when somebody got a shovel in their hand and began to dig. Come on, you want victory? You want to mess up your enemy as much as they messed you up? Get a shovel in your hand and dig a ditch for Abishag. Get a shovel in your hand and dig a ditch for David. Get a shovel in your hand and get to work on digging a grave. Every time you clap your hands, you're digging a ditch. Every time you stand to your feet, you're digging a ditch. Every time you worship, you're digging a ditch. Every time you praise, you're digging a ditch. Every time you leap for joy, you're digging a ditch. Every time you run the aisle, you're digging a ditch. Every time you dance, you're digging a ditch. Every time you rejoice, you're digging a ditch. Come on, Star City. Make this valley full of ditches. It's time to let the king Can't help. I can't help but to hear the voice of a king called worry. I'm not talking now individually. I'm speaking prophetically to Star City. I can't help but to hear the voice of that king called Worry that says, Be cautious. Where is he taking us? Oh boy. Be cautious. Where is he allowing this church to go to?
He's planned out three years. It's never happened. Oh, God, I'm treading on dangerous ground right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Oh, of course I am. What, 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 what you call a cross, I call home. I'm used to hanging on that cross. That's why I have a lot of resurrections. Get, get, you got that voice. Is, 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 is he taking all of his ideas from the corporate world and bring it into the kingdom and he's he's gonna he's planning three years but is he gonna plan God out of the equation have you taken a look at what's been going on the past three services I'm in the Holy Ghost right now Robinson don't know where he's going don't know where he's taking us well I can tell you exactly where you're going to a place better than you are now. You're going to a revival like you've never had. You know, oh, Lord God, you know what David wants to happen? The reason Abishag is in the room? All they can see is the four walls of their room. They have no clue what's happening outside the doors because they're I don't care about what's going on out there. Keep me warm. Keep me appeased. Oh, this thing just turned. Keep me comfortable. That's why you need to let the king die. He may not tell you this. I will. You know what happened yesterday afternoon? I didn't know about it until last night. We ate our lunch, said our goodbyes. When I walked out of the restaurant, I turned around to see if he was behind me, and I noticed he was talking to some people at a table. I didn't want to interrupt him, so I just got in my truck and left. I found out last night there was, there was a group of people that went to another church that stopped your pastor and said, are you the pastor at that Star City Church? And he said, as a matter of fact, I am. And they said, we've been watching you on TV. See, those of you that don't let the king die, all you care about is how warm you are.
But when you let the king die, you start getting some revelations. There's more stuff that's going on than just what you can see inside your four walls. on Lafayette you want a tabernacle to be built or you want to stay in your comfort do you really want some glory to fall are you happy with where you are come on there are some kings that better die tonight and never get resurrected there are some burials we better have right now, right now, right now, right now. Come on, don't go reason, don't go revisit this grave, bury it and leave it for good. 